good to see everybody. It's almost unfair to have that smell um, already um, permeating the building, but maybe it'll hurry us on toward lunch. Just a reminder that we are having a fellowship meal after service along with the business meeting, so everybody's welcome to stay. If you didn't bring anything, um, from what I can tell in the kitchen, it looks like there's more than enough for us, plus whoever might happen to show up. So be sure and take part in that. I want to welcome you to Cross Timber. It's a great day to be in the house of the Lord. As we um, sang about this morning, we're excited to have you here 
to uh, join in our worship together as we study God's Word, as we sing praises to His name. And so whether you're sitting in front of us or you're listening in online, we are glad you are here. If you do happen to be visiting with us this morning, welcome. It's good to, to have you. We are, um, we're honored to have you as guests. If you're regular folks, it's good to see you again. And we still have some folks um, making their way in, so we look forward to worshiping together. And so we're going to sing a few more songs, and then we'll be reading from Ephesians chapter 2 in just a few moments. So again, welcome to Cross Timber. Would you stand and sing with us? Nothing like if I am his And he is mine forever And he is mine forever
from God's Word together. Philippians chapter 2, and we'll read just the first 11 verses there, and then our deacons will come, and we'll receive the offering this morning. Paul writes to the Philippians, So if there is any encouragement in Christ, any comfort from love, any participation in the Spirit, any affection and sympathy, complete my joy by being of the same mind, having the same love, being in full accord and of one mind. Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, 
who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men, and being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Therefore, God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow, in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord, to the glory of God the Father. God bless the reading of his word. Amen. Gentlemen, will you come? We take our offering today. Father, gracious God, Lord, thank you for the opportunity to be in this house of worship, Lord. We uh, thank you for the sunlight, the, the, the great weather, Lord. We just uh, like to thank you for the opportunities to uh, make a living, Lord, and we'd like to take this opportunity to give back what's rightly yours, Lord. We just pray this in Jesus' name.
Amen. Would you stand and sing with us?
shadows deepen we do do you know that all the dark won't stop the light from getting through we do do you wish that you could see it all made new we do Is all creation groaning? It is. New creation coming? It is. Is the glory of the Lord to be the light within our midst? It is. Is it good that we remind ourselves of this? Is anyone worthy? Is anyone whole? Is anyone able to break the seal and open the scroll? The Lion of Judah, the conqueror of the grave. Messiah, wherever those he loves, 
Take our Bibles and turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 2. And um, I don't know if you've tried the green hand gel right outside in the foyer, but let me just tell you it is high octane. And um, it, um, if you could probably smell it. Um, I just got some and I brought the scent in with me. And So if you have allergies to hand gel, um, my apologies. Um, might be time to dawn your your gas mask in preparation for coming to tack. We're going to start something today I'm very excited about. We're going to look for probably the next um, two weeks, maybe three weeks, um, something that you may or may not have talked about, thought about, or maybe even considered, but it's in Scripture. Um, It's in Corinthians, it's in Philippians, where Paul writes to the churches and talks about having the mind of Christ. So I wanted to start with just a question that often comes up in our house, and it's just a simple phrase, what are you thinking? Now, let me set the context. That usually happens at the dinner table when I get caught just like staring blankly out the window. Um, You know, maybe a squirrel on the fence caught my eye, or maybe I'm just not thinking about anything. And maybe that thought in my mind is a serious thought, and so I have kind of a, you know, furrowed brow, or maybe it's a you know, glad thought, and I have a smile look on my face. But there's those moments when something catches your attention in another person, and you want to try to find out what's going on inside their head. Now, it could be nothing, or it really might be something, you know, quite profound. But have you ever wondered what Jesus how does he feel about something in your life that you're you're facing? How, what could his thoughts be about a decision that's coming up that you need to make? 
How does Jesus want us to use our time or, or spend our days? Well, I have good news. If you are a Christian sitting here today or wherever you are, the Bible tells us we have the mind of Christ. Now, we may not ever know everything that he knows, and we probably won't, but we can know all the things that he needs us to know and wants us to know. And that is helpful because it can help us to inform our decision-making, motivate our activity, and guide us through life. Because let's just be honest, life is not easy and we need all the help we can get. And so I want us to think about this morning as we look at this passage in Corinthians, the idea that having the mind of Christ allows believers to see things His way and carry out His mission. That because we have the mind of Christ, we have the ability to see things from Jesus' perspective and carry out the mission that Jesus has for us. So I want us to read in 1 Corinthians chapter 2. We're going to start in verse 6, and we're going to read down through verse 16. You'll find the discussion talking about wisdom. And Paul, in his writing to the churches, is constantly defending the, the gospel, the simplicity of the gospel, the profoundness of the gospel against the critics that say that it's all through using persuasive words and, and, and language that's, you know, that it's language, it's human intellect. But Paul says, no, it's nothing that Paul has done. It's all what Jesus has done. And his simple message many times was just Jesus Christ and him crucified. And so you'll see this word wisdom come up. You'll see this idea of the wisdom of God and the wisdom of man. So let's beginning, Ren reading, verse 6, 1 Corinthians chapter 2. And Paul writes this, Yet among the mature we do not impart wisdom, we do impart wisdom, although it is not a wisdom of this age or of the rulers of this age who are doomed to pass away, but we impart a secret and hidden wisdom of God, which God decreed before the ages for our glory. None of the rulers of this age understood this, for if they had, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. But as it is written, what no eye has seen, no ear heard, nor the heart of man imagined what God has prepared for those who love him. These things God has revealed to us through the Spirit. For the Spirit searches everything, even the depths of God. For who knows a person's thoughts except the spirit of that person which is in him? So also no one comprehends the thoughts of God except the Spirit of God. Now, we have received not the Spirit of the world, but the Spirit who is from God, that we might understand the things freely given us by God. And we impart this in words not taught by human wisdom, but taught by the Spirit, interpreting spiritual truths to those who are spiritual. The natural person does not accept the things of the Spirit of God, for they are folly to him. And he is not able to understand them because they are spiritually discerned. The spiritual person judges all things, but is himself to be judged by no one. For who has understood the mind of the Lord so as to instruct him? But we have the mind of Christ. Let's pray. Lord, we ask this morning that as we look at the mind of the Lord Jesus, you would help us see the clear truth of your word that we're a believer, that we have the mind of Christ. Help us to see how that affects us and should change the way that we look at life and live our lives. 
So Lord, we ask for your help. We trust that you will. You've given us your word and we have your spirit. And we know that you work through those things. And we ask you would help our eyes to be open and our hearts ready to hear. And we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. So the last several weeks, except for last week, and I hope you um, were here and had a chance to hear Sostri talk about God's work um, in in India, but also just the need that we have to follow the mission of Jesus and to pray for the Lord of the harvest to send laborers into the harvest and what work God does through prayers. But prior to that, we talked about making our days count, using our time wisely. Now, you could say, well, that just sounds a lot like time management. I could get that as a seminar. I could, you know, go see what Franklin Covey has online. But the difference is we're talking about using our time, using our days for the purposes of God. And so the perspective that we look at things is very different for the Christian. It's not about how can I fit all the things I want to do in a day. It's how can I use the time that God has blessed me with to do the things that God wants me to do and to honor Him. But how could we possibly know what God's purpose is and what God's perspective is? Well, you might say, well, we could read the Bible. That's a great place to start. And it's sad how many Christians don't read their their Bible. You know, the, the verse that pops up on their Facebook feed is enough bread for the day. But we can start there. That's a great place. But we, we need more. We need to know the mind of Christ that Paul tells us is revealed by the Spirit, and that the natural man can't understand these things to the point that the Romans and the, the Jews crucified Jesus because their eyes were blinded to this clear truth of God's plan to redeem and reform creation. And so this morning, we're going to just start by answering hopefully three questions. What is the mind of Christ? Who has the mind of Christ? And what is the result of having the mind of Christ? There's an outline in your bulletin, and it just simply starts with number one, which is a great place to start, I think, always, unless you use A. And it just basically is this. The mind of Christ thinks like Christ and discerns spiritual truth. Now, you can gain that from these verses. Um, you can, I encourage you to maybe look at it later and see if you can come to the same thing. But just a simple definition is it thinks like Jesus and discerns spiritual truth. So let's just think for a moment, what was Jesus' mind like? Because when we look at who Jesus is and how he lived, we can learn a lot about his mind. We know from the, the Gospels that Jesus lived to please God. Now we also know that Jesus was himself God, but as we read in Philippians, he left the throne of heaven and came to earth, became as a man for God's purpose of being a crucified Savior, so that we could have salvation. But because he was God, he thought like God. And he perfectly understood the mind of his Father, of God. So every one of his thoughts, every one of his words, all of his actions were perfectly tuned to God's heart. You could say it simply like this. He thought God's thoughts. And because of that, he knew the will of God. He perfectly discerned truth in every situation. He understood what God wanted him to do, and he never missed an opportunity to obey God and to bring God glory. 
And so understanding that, Jesus came to earth and lived to do the will of God, his Father. See, Jesus didn't come and make his own plans. He didn't sit down in, in Galilee one day and write out a to-do list. This is what Jesus is going to do today. No, he didn't seek his own will, his own way. His will was the Father's will. Listen to Jesus' words, John chapter 6, verse 38. For I have come down from heaven, not to do my own will, but the will of him who sent me. So he came to do the Father's will, but he was also one with the Father. He said in John chapter 10, verse 30, I and the Father are one. And because he was God, he lived to do God's will, and he was one with the Father, he often communicated with his Father. He prayed. You can read the Gospels. I encourage you to do that. And just look simply for the times that Jesus prayed. Jesus went alone to a place and talked with his Father. And he knew what God desired because he spent time with God. There's a principle there for us. If you want to know God, then we have to spend time with him. And so as a result of this, at every single moment, Jesus knew precisely what God wanted him to do. Now you mix that with a determination to do what his father wanted him to do and a complete and total trust of his life in the hands of the father and you get a mind that was resolute to go to the cross in Jerusalem for the purpose of bringing salvation to all men. So when you look at the mind of Jesus, what you see is the perfect example and the ultimate model for any follower of Jesus. I mean, think about it. Jesus was committed to God's plan, that plan to bring him glory and to be the sacrifice that brought redemption. Jesus was unwavering in his purpose. Jesus said, I came to seek and save the lost. And Jesus always kept the right perspective. We read in Philippians, what was it? It was humility mixed with obedience. He humbled himself, taking on the form of a servant. He was obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. So what does it mean to have the mind of Christ? We try to simplify it. We could, um, you know, hopefully say it like this. We want to see things from the perspective of Jesus and then operate in the power of Jesus. So Jesus gives us the direction, we see things from his point of view, and then we trust him and we operate in his power. Now, what happens, hopefully, is over time, his thoughts fill our thoughts, his love floods into our hearts, and his passion motivates our mission. And the compassion that he had toward others drives our actions. And what happens, hopefully, over time, is that more of Jesus in us and less of the world in us. Because the more of Jesus we grasp, the more we gain his perspective. We begin to adopt his priorities and we live our lives for him, determined to carry out his purpose and to bring him glory. Now, let me ask you, does that not sound exciting? That you would wake up every morning with a resolute purpose that you knew was absolutely attainable if you merely just listened and trusted and we're humble and obedient. That's better than any to-do list you could ever write out. God, I want to please you 
And then you know because Scripture tells us you have the ability in you to please God at any moment by simply being humble and being obedient. And you may want to say, how can I have that kind of life? Is that even really possible? Now that sounds too good to be true. It sounds like it's not even for us. Well, I told you earlier that if you are a Christian, you have the mind of Christ. So at that moment you put your trust in Christ by faith, the mind of Christ comes right along with it. Now, I haven't bought a new vehicle in a long time, and I don't know if I will ever buy a new vehicle. Um, if my truck finally gives up um, the ghost, it may be um, a cart or a wagon or something pulled by an animal, or I may just walk because if you haven't looked, man, it is, it's crazy expensive. But vehicles come with what we call standard equipment. And it's standard because it's there when you, you buy the car. You know, you don't have to choose to have a motor in your car. It just comes with a motor. Doors are not optional. Well, let me just tell you this. The mind of Christ is standard equipment for the Christian. And if you have Jesus, you have his mind. So we can say, secondly, that Christians have the mind of Christ. It's verse 16. It's emphatic. Paul says, but we have the mind of Christ. What is he saying? It's reality for all believers. It's not optional. It's life-changing. And it's connected to a relationship. Now, I talked about earlier about how, you know, sometimes Deborah will ask me or I'll ask Deborah, what are you thinking? Well, here's another truth for marriage, that over time, married people begin to think more and more like one another. They have spent enough time with their spouse that they can finish one another's sentences oftentimes. Um, however, I like to play the game of finishing sentences, but I'm rarely ever right. Um, I need to wait and, and listen to more of the sentence before I try to fill in the blank. Um, but we know how they'll respond in a situation, what they like, what they don't like. Why? Because we've spent time together. We've talked to one another. And we learn the intricacies of the other person's personality. It's through relationship. And faith in Christ starts a relationship with God through Jesus. We're adopted into his family. I love the way it says it in the Old Testament. You know, the, the prophet Isaiah talks about, you know, that there, you go from being not my people to a people. That we become being, you know, spiritual orphans, outcasts, to being adopted into God's family, never to be removed. We have fellowship with God. We go from enemy to friend. We are joint heirs with Christ. We go from having nothing to having everything. And we have Christ in us, and we are in Christ. And because Jesus is the truth, if you have Jesus in your life, you have God's wisdom, you have his mind. It's in you. So it's standard equipment. But it's also, it's not a higher level Christianity. Now, verse 6 brings up an interesting interpretive question as you're reading Scripture when he mentions the word mature. Among, yet among the mature, we do not impart wisdom. Now, some people see that as a contrast between mature believers and immature believers, which in that case, it would be, well, Paul is looking out of the room, and he's thinking, okay, I'm looking at the audience, and these guys are glazed over, and they're not going to get it. 
So I'm not going to talk about these things. I'm going to have to talk about something else. Or it could be another option that it's between the mature being those that are complete in Christ and those who are non-believers. Now, based on the the surrounding verses in chapter 2, it talks about, and these are some things that I, I noted, you can note that it talks about spiritual wisdom versus worldly wisdom. It contrasts a spiritual person versus a, a natural person. And based on those things, I believe Paul is talking to Christians, which he refers to as the mature or those complete in Christ. And when he speaks to these believers, those who are in the faith, he's speaking God's wisdom to them. And you can see the contrast that this wisdom is misunderstood, misrepresentative in the world to the point that the Jews and the Romans crucified them. Because Paul said if they had understood it, they would not have crucified Jesus, the Son of Glory. And so these true believers, these that are mature, see the gospel as the truest form of wisdom. It's a simple truth that can be explained without using fancy words. It affects our attitude. It changes us from proud to humble. It helps us recognize our neediness, our weakness. And as verse 5 points out, if you look up just one verse, it says that the wisdom rests in the power of God. Yet those who are unsaved just see it as foolishness. So we'll talk about that more, about how God does that transformative work of taking those that are blinded to the truth, that have blind eyes, shines his light in their hearts, and they can all of a sudden see. If you are in Christ today, then you have that wonderful light of Jesus shining in you where you can see. So all true believers have the mind of Christ. They see this wisdom in the gospel. Simply put, Jesus and him crucified. They see that in themselves they have an inability to save themselves and they rest their faith in God's power. The power to save them, to keep them, and to empower them. We've talked a little bit about what it is, but how in the world does God say, how does Paul say that God gives the mind of Christ to believers? Well, if you look at what he says about the Spirit, we can find that believers Possess the mind of Christ by the Spirit. I said earlier it's not optional equipment. It's the same thing with God's Spirit, the Holy Spirit. If you are regenerated in Christ, by faith in Christ, what you, you get, the Holy Spirit. And so he says there, these things God has revealed to us through the Spirit. Now there's some language in here that talks about things that are hidden, things that are mysterious. And we'll... And we'll see that that the Holy Spirit shines light on those things where they are visible and can be known. And so we know we have the Spirit dwelling in us, and the Holy Spirit inside us guarantees that we have the mind of Christ. So Paul can say, and I say it again with confidence, we have the mind of Christ through God's Spirit. It says in verse 10 that he's revealed these things to us. Well, what kind of things? Well, it's the secret hidden wisdom of God. Why is it secret and hidden? Because apart from the help of the Spirit, no one can understand it. It has to be revealed that those eyes that are spiritually blinded have to be opened, that what's hidden
hidden must be revealed. It's like having a puzzle or riddle that is completely unsolvable by human intellect, cleverness, or even now AI, if you want to look at that on, online. It's unsolvable. It doesn't have any connection to persuasive words or human wisdom. And if you look at this wonderful thing, it's in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 6. If you want to just flip over there, it just says, God said, let light shine out of darkness. It takes you back to Genesis. Let there be light. He has made His light shine in our hearts. His light gives us the light to know God's glory, and His glory is shown in the face of Christ. That's from the New International Reader's Version. God does the revealing. Now we also uses a, a simile here. He compares, you know, a person knowing their own mind to the spirit knowing God's mind. And so, you know, if you think about it, only a person, only the person really knows what's going on inside their own mind. So when you an- ask that question, what are you thinking? If you have a person that doesn't want to give you the real answer, they can probably tell you something that is other than the truth. But yet the real person, the person who has the thought in their head, knows exactly what they're thinking. Paul writes and tells us that if that can be true about an individual, how much more would it be true about the Holy Spirit of God who knows the deep things of God? Why does he know? Because he is the Spirit of God. Think about Jesus speaking in John 16 when he tells them, I've got so much I've got to tell you, there's not time, so listen close, guys. And it'll make sense later when the Spirit comes. And in John chapter 16, verse 14, he says that the Holy Spirit would come. And he glorified Jesus. By doing what? Taking what he received from Jesus and making it known to his disciples and to us. And so we have the help of the Spirit to gain wisdom and to know the mind of Christ. And so truth is made known supernaturally to us. Big word, you could call that revelation. We can understand God's written word with the help of the Spirit. That's illumination. That we can communicate spiritual truth to other people. That's inspiration. We talk about the Bible being inspired, that God worked in the minds and in the pen of those who authored Scripture to record the unique record of Scripture in the personality of the author just the way he intended. But we also need to remember that this mind of Christ is contrary, opposite, against the world's wisdom. Now in this passage, he uses phrases, wisdom of the world, wisdom of this age, human wisdom, to talk about the world's wisdom. What's it motivated by? Not the Spirit of God, but the Spirit of the world. Which means the values and priorities that govern the world, that are anti-God, focus on man, and seeks to please self. And it really is the best the world can offer. But it's unable to understand divine truth. That's why you can have a brilliant scholar that has as many letters after their name as you want to put, try to write about spiritual things, but if they don't have the spirit, they don't even come close. And they have to just say that it's either not true or it's foolishness. And this 
worldly wisdom appeals to the natural person. It sounds good. It reads well. It is exciting. But up against that is the mind of Christ, which is always centered on God. It exalts Christ. And it's taught by the Spirit. It's led by the Spirit. And it's able to discern, to divide out between what is true and what is false. And the mind of Christ understands, I love this in verse 12, the things freely given us by God. Do you want to see what that is? Read about the all things that we have available to us, all those spiritual blessings. See Ephesians chapter 3. Every every spiritual blessing in heavenly realms. So why would this be important today? Other than it sounds great, right? Well, take a look outside at the culture that we live in. Guided by principles like this. Follow your heart. Do what feels right. Choose your reality. And I think most recently you could sum it up in a three-word catchphrase. You do you. But however, the message of the cross, the wisdom of God says, no, you be like Christ. Paul said, for me, to live is Christ. Jesus said, deny yourself, take up your cross daily and follow after me. Paul declared in response to the Savior that he met on the road to Damascus, I want to know him, Jesus, in the power of his resurrection, in the fellowship of his sufferings, becoming like him to the point of his own death and hoping one day and expecting to be raised from the dead. So in a world that says you do you and has no understanding, if you and I are going to offer hope to people that have real hurts, we need the mind of Christ. Because human intellect and our ingenuity is not going to get there. But we can trust in his mind to show us how to pray and reach out to people that are apart from Christ. And oh, we need to pray for those people by name and pray often for God to do that work. We need His mind to inform our day-to-day activities. God, help me to see what pleases you. Help me to see what will bring you the most glory. But lastly, we also need to see that this mind of Christ transforms our lives. So if we truly want to make a difference and offer hope, we need to live transformed lives. We're going to introduce this a bit today. We'll look at it hopefully next week. But Romans 12, 2 tells us what? That we are to be transformed by the renewing of your mind. So we'll hopefully explore what a renewed mind looks like. How do we renew our mind? Why do we need to renew it? And what is our part in developing this mind of Christ in our lives? So that's just a a little preview, but before we finish, think about this just for a second. When we grow in Christ, we know more of The mind of Christ. So there's a key connection here between our growth in faith and understanding the mind of Christ. I've already said that if you are a Christian, you have the mind of Christ. It's in you. It's yours in Christ. But let me just offer you that that's just the beginning stage. The challenge is just beginning. We are to move on and grow in our maturity. We're to constantly battle against our own thoughts our own habits, our own sins, the influence of the world, and the attacks of Satan. 
over time, as we press on and we don't give up, we begin to see more and more things from the viewpoint of Christ. And we see less and less of ourselves and of the world. We have more of Christ. We have more of his heart and mind. And this growth that we all should be undertaking is a continual process. We should be making steady progress, and it's modeled by Jesus. But there's hope, because God's promised we have the help of the Holy Spirit. You're not in this on your own. And when we grow in Christ, we begin to know more of His mind. And when we know the mind of Christ, we begin to understand the mission of Christ. He came to seek and save the lost. That means He willingly left the 99 to go after the one. To offer living water to the spiritually thirsty. Think about this. Just a small sample of the people Jesus went to. A woman with, let's just say, a less than reputable past. Hence, Jesus met her at the well. A businessman with unscrupulous practices. Hence, he was a wee little man. A man sentenced to death. Lord, remember me. And a very religious man willing to kill for what he believed to be true. I was blind, but now I see. People just like this are around us today. They're hurting. They need hope. They're lost. They're wandering. They're destined to die. And they're deterred. And they're, if they stay on course, they're headed be separated from God forever. Those are the ones bad reputation, crooked businessmen, murderers, and all other forms of sin and confusion. And this mind of Christ, it champions the mission of Christ to show his love, to share the gospel, and to pray. And pray and pray and pray that God will open blind eyes and soften hard hearts and send out laborers into his harvest. Because having the mind of Christ allows believers to see things God's way and carry out his mission. What a difference it would make if we began to seek the mind and to grow in our understanding of the mind of Christ, what it would make in our own lives, what it would begin to make in our church and our community. And with his thoughts, with the thoughts of Jesus in our minds, his love in our hearts, his compassion motivating us, facing the challenges and issues in front of us, not in our own strength, by our own abilities, but in the power that God gives us. And we begin to see the people around us more and more from God's perspective. Wouldn't it be great to say, I heard what God said? Let me just give you three brief things before we're, we're done. Just in reminder, these aren't new, this isn't new information, it's just summary information. First of all, remember, believers have the mind of Christ. If you're not a Christian, you don't have the mind of Christ, the good news is you can have the mind of Christ because you can have Christ because he freely stands and waits for those who will come to him and receive him by faith. Second, the mind of Christ thinks like Jesus. And then third, the more you know Christ, the more you know His mind. 
one of my many time-killing hobbies is to Google him. Um, I, I just like reading the words to him. Um, found one by a little-known writer named Kate Wilkinson. They know who she was, who her daddy was. They knew who she was married to. They knew she was a member of the Church of England, and she was part of the Keswick Convention. Other than that, they really don't know a lot about her. We'll hear more from Miss Wilkinson in later weeks, but I just want to introduce the first stanza of her hymn and offer it up to you as a as a prayer as we close. It says, May the mind of Christ my Savior live in me from day to day by His love and power controlling all I do and say. Let me pray with me. Lord, I pray that You would help us to to make this our daily prayer, that your mind, the mind of our Savior, would live in us from day to day. And by your love and power controlling everything we do and everything we say, for your namesake and for your glory. Help us to be reminded of the truth that we have the mind of Christ, that the mind of Christ thinks like Jesus, to help us to act like Jesus, and help us to know that the more we know of you, Lord Jesus, more we can know of your mind. We ask for your help, O oh Lord, because we need it, because there's nothing good in ourselves. And so we trust in you to provide it. In Jesus' name, amen. Worship team here, we're going to take some moments to reflect, and maybe it's the, the thoughts of that last few words I shared that Miss Wilkinson wrote. Maybe that's it this morning. God, I want the mind of Christ to live in me from day to day. And I want His love and power to control everything I do and everything I say. Maybe you're a little further back behind that. Maybe it's just like, oh, wait a minute. I'm really struggling right now because I think I'm pretty smart and I can handle a lot of things on my own. And I really don't know about giving more control over to Jesus. Well, Here's the truth. He is over all things, and he calls us to humbly submit to him and listen to him. But he is patient and generous, loving and kind. And if you offer that up to him, God, I understand this is it, but I'm struggling. I need your help. I want to know your mind. I can trust him to help. Maybe you're a little further away from that. Maybe you're thinking, well, gosh, I'm not even really sure I know. And I can know that I'm saved, that I know that Jesus is my Savior. And, and that's always the, the offer that today, just by saying, Jesus, I love you and I trust you. I know I'm a sinner. And Lord, I say, remember me. I put my hope and trust in you that he will be your personal Savior forever and ever. The piano or music's going to play quietly. It gives us some time, space to reflect on these words. And after a few moments, we'll close. So let's listen to the Lord together.
we're yielding our time to God. So I want to thank you for being here for worship and hope you um, made plans to stay for lunch. If you didn't make plans to stay for lunch, change your plans and stay for lunch. Um, it will be a, a good time to enjoy food together and fellowship. And then after we've had that time of the meal and um, the fun time, we'll have the m- even more fun time of the, uh, the quarterly business meeting. So we save the best for last. So um, only the, those that stay through to the end will enjoy the best part of it. So we hope you will um, choose to stay to lunch and stay on for the business meeting. Let me just remind you of a couple of things that are, that are starting this week that are exciting. You know, we've, we've began and had this focus on just reaching out to those in our community around us that are, that are, that are hurting, offering hope to hurting people. Um, Embrace Grace starts again this Wednesday at 6 o'clock, so be praying for those girls. But also, um, the other component, um, Embrace Grace is for those, um, those young ladies that are not married and pregnant. Embrace Life is for those that are um, unmarried and have children. And so we have... Um, the blessing of not only having the Embrace Grace group, but having the Embrace, Embrace Life group. They'll both be starting this Wednesday. So we pray for those ladies that are leading in that ministry and also for the, the ladies that will be a part of that ministry. And then on Friday, um, we'll be starting um, Canyon Life Revelation Wellness. If you sign up for that, I'm sure you've, you've probably heard more information. And I know some people are going to be in person. Some people are going to be doing it online through Facebook. And so... Um, that's coming up. That's an exciting opportunity. And so I wanted you to know about those things. And then also, the last thing I want you to remember is if you have not um, signed up to um, participate in maybe decorating a table or making a, a soup or a dessert for the Valentine Banquet, which is February the 11th, um, you can do that while we're um, setting up the sanctuary. It's a great time to, to sign up for that and check that out. Um, along with that, after we dismiss in just a moment, we'll need to move some chairs and set up some tables so we can be ready for lunch. You can see um, other items there in the weekly calendar. Just remember, um, if you have any questions about that, you can contact the church office. just want to thank you uh, for being here. I want to invite you to stand together with us. The worship team is going to lead us in a, a closing song. And once we've finished singing, um, you will be dismissed. So Lord bless you today. Lord, I need you. Oh.